Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. How many of you have been blessed today by the worshiping of the Lord, by the movement of the Spirit? Amen. Put your hands together. You've got a praise in this place. Amen. Amen. As we continue today in our teaching series uh, called Win the Day, Reclaiming Your Future from a Broken Past, uh, I am, I'm excited because I've personally been blessed by the study uh, for this series. I don't know if, if, if all of you are doing this, but if you're not, I, was, I would really want to suggest for your own personal experience here in the time that we get to spend together. It's only a, a short hour and a half a week of worship that we get to do corporately. But if throughout the week you are not going back and looking into the scriptures that we're talking about here, you're robbing yourself of clarity. You're robbing yourself of the opportunity uh, to receive clarity in the word of God that God wants to deliver specifically to you. When I'm up here, I'm able to speak only to so many. The Holy Spirit translates, but I want all of you to know that the Holy Spirit does not just translate through the preacher. The Holy Spirit translates directly to and through you in your personal study. So if you have not made it a habit, I really want to encourage you to jump in your word throughout the week because, listen, the, the word of the Lord continues to impress me with the way it shows truth that can break these generational cycles. The more we look into it, the more we see that God has been explicit, almost as if he expected that we're going to have to deal with some of these issues. God God has been explicit in some of his instruction in the Bible and, and some of the examples of grace that he has given us. And we're going to continue with that today. Just for a quick recap, for those of you who were not here uh, last week, we love you anyway. Uh, and those of you that are online who may be just joining us for the first or second time today, what we talked about last week uh, was we basically laid up, laid a groundwork foundation understanding for what a generational cycle is. We in introduced the concept as it was introduced in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, we defined what it actually means. Uh, we discovered how generational cycles form, right? Uh, we also explored what the Bible says about how to break those chains. Now, that's what we did last week. We also, we also clarified that because of grace, a Christian cannot be affected by a generational curse. There is no such thing. We can be affected by generational cycles or the consequences of the people who come before us, but there is no such thing as a curse because of grace, and that's a very important, important distinction. Um, and we also learned that uh, we can break generational cycles by three things last week. We talked about three things. We talked about claiming the promises. We talked about stopping the blame. And we talked about naming it to taming it, breaking the chain of secrecy in families. You have to talk about what some of those struggles are. are. So today I want to, to spend a little bit more time um, Along those lines, uh, but today what we're going to do specifically is we're going to learn from the Apostle Paul how to flex your freedom from the chains you never chose. Today we're going to learn from the Apostle Paul exactly what freedom looks like when you are in bondage. And none of you chose the generational cycles. None of you chose the family you were born into. But today we're going to take a look at how Paul perceives his prisons. I want to change your perspective on the change of your generational cycles by restoring your power of choice today. I'm telling you up front what we want to achieve today. Can we do this together? Amen. Amen. God, we just want to pause and thank you for uh, being with us here in this space and this time. Father, do not just uh, speak through me, uh, God, but speak to me as well, God, uh, that this entire place be saturated with the clarity of your word and the love from your heart. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. So we're going to pick it up uh, in Philippians. We're going to look in the book of Philippians, the very first chapter. We're going to cover quite a bit of scripture up front, and then I'm just going to focus on one area of the passage that we're going to be reading today. Uh, but in Philippians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 12, before I, before I read, uh, I, I, let me just maybe set some context. So at this point in time, Paul is coming to the end of his ministry. 
okay? Paul the apostle, the great apostle, has experienced three different missionary journeys all throughout the Middle East and parts of Asia. Um, Paul has endured and survived a shipwreck. He has been beaten. He has been abused. He has been locked up. Now, this is his third time in prison. And when we pick up the scripture here, we're going to see that Paul is actually, again, in prison, So picking up in verse 12, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Someone say chains. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Someone say chains. Verse 18, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives Whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am To go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? Someone say choose. I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. What we see happening here, I know that's a lot of scriptures, but I wanted from you to see from beginning to end Paul's mindset where he is. So he's currently in prison in Rome. Again, this is the end of his life. He's tired. Paul has come to the end of his ministry. He doesn't realize that his death is just a couple years away. But while he is in prison in Rome, he is actually writing this letter to the Philippians. And this is one of the letters that, uh, one of the few letters that he wrote while he was actually in Roman captivity, along with, uh, uh, what other books here? It was uh, Philemon is one of the books, uh, Colossians, First and Second Timothy, Titus. These are works or writings of Paul that were done while he was in captivity. So there's something very interesting to understand about his language, his choice of words, his perspectives, his mindsets. And I want to pick that up here because when you look at what we just read, what we see is a guy who's admitting and acknowledging that he is in fact in prison, but he's saying, I'd see how there could be benefit for the church from me being here. I see that because I'm here, some people are professing the word of God even more. I see that some Christians' faith is is increasing because they see that I'm here in prison. When you look at Paul's perspective, it's very interesting. It's very interesting to me because he's using words like, what am I going to choose? We heard him say that just now. We heard him say, I'd rather not, you know, be here. I don't know what I'm going to choose. Paul, the last time I checked, you don't have a choice. When you're in prison, I don't know how you get to, uh, am I going to break out today? No, not really. See, but, but Paul's looking at this through the lens of his past, right? I don't know if you guys remember our Spaces series back in February, but we explored how Paul and Silas broke out of prison. So Paul is very aware that some of the things that man places on you are not going to keep you there, right? Paul is aware of this. And so he's looking at this through a different perspective than I believe many of us would, Paul's talking about a choice while he's in chains. That's just oxymoronic. That just does not really make sense. It just seems to be a conflicting idea. Let's really explore what he means in that in verse 22. So what does he say? He says in verse 22, I am to go on living in the body. This will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I 
choose. The word choose is what I have a problem with here. Because he's in chains. When you look at the context of what we're talking about with generational cycles, we can admit that many of you did not choose the chains of your generational cycles. You did not choose those things. Nobody chooses addiction. Nobody chooses illness. And similar to Paul, you may feel imprisoned. You may feel captive to the consequences of your parents' choices. You may feel defeated by the decisions of your descendants. You did not choose these chains. For some of you, it may be depression that runs in a long history of your family or anxiety or suicide. I don't know if you knew that the number one risk factor for suicide is a family history of suicide. We're talking generational cycles. High blood pressure, cancer. Some of the physical elements of our existence are influenced also by our, 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 our parents' decisions or blood that you didn't choose to have running through your veins. Addictions. Pornography, gambling. What sucks about some of these things is these addictions can exist in secrecy so much that you don't even realize your father struggles with it too. Because we don't talk about these things in families. Alcoholism. That's one that manifests itself that's usually visible. But there's a whole host of things that lead up to that. These are not things that many of us chose. The, 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 the pre predispositions towards certain health issues or chronic mental health issues. These are not things that you chose. But we learned last week in Ezekiel that each generation is accountable for their own decisions, that each generation will die by the sins of their own decisions. When God told the Israelites, hey, stop using that parable that you guys keep saying that my parents chewed the grapes, but my mouth is sour or my teeth are sour. What, what, what the Israelites were saying is that, hey, I'm not responsible for what I'm going through right now. I'm not responsible for this. It's because my parents ate the grapes. That's why the sour taste is in my mouth. But God explicitly said in Ezekiel 18 verse 20, hey, you guys need to stop saying that because it is not true. Each person is responsible for their own decision, for their own salvation, and for the consequences of their own choices. We also learn that both the Bible and science reveal that our parents' physical, financial, relational, and spiritual decisions pose a profound impact on our development. In this passage... When Paul says chains, we know he's not referring to generational consequences. We know that when he says chains, he's referring specifically to the prison around him, the, the physical prison, right? But Paul is demonstrating a very important principle about freedom when he uses the word choice in what we're talking about. In this scripture, we see a deep connection to purpose in Paul's perspective of his prison. Again, in this passage, we see a deep connection to Paul's connection to his purpose as he perceives his prison. So what he's saying is that, yes, I'm in prison, but what does it matter? Verse 18. What does it matter? The important thing is, and I want to pause right here. When we look at when it says the important thing is, family, I want you to understand right there after those three dots, what you fill in that blank with is the most important part of what breaks your chains. What you say after this statement, what does it matter? The important thing is blank. What you fill that blank with is the most critical part of your ability to break the chains that the generations have upon you. What you prioritize is what you perpetuate. And what is important to you is what you prioritize. So once we are aware and we have the knowledge, we no longer can say, sorry, I didn't know. Once you know what is important to you, you prioritize. And what you prioritize, you perpetuate. What are you prioritizing in your lives? What are you prioritizing in your families? What 
cycles are you perpetuating by your lack of prioritizing that which is important? Because what comes after those three dots is what matters most in your ability to break these chains. And what does Paul say? Let's take a look at what Paul fills in that blank with. It says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. He's saying that Christ being preached is what's most important. Remember, he's on, he, he's on a journey. Paul had a 35-year missionary ministry after the death of Christ, and he's coming to the last six years of his time, and he is recognizing that even though I'm in chains, nothing matters. That's not what's important. What's important is that Christ is preached. Why? Because that was Paul's purpose. That was the purpose that God placed over Paul. You may have a generational cycle or a chain on your wrist, but even over your head, you have a purpose that is greater than what that chain is. And Paul is recognizing this in, the, in his rhetoric with himself and in this letter he's writing to the Philippians. We can see his perspective is uplifted by his purpose even in the midst of his prison. So what does that tell me for you, family? That tells me for you that when you are more connected to your purpose than you are your alcoholism, when you are more connected to your purpose than your broken relationship with your family, your perspective can be elevated in the areas of your alcoholism. Your perspective will be elevated in the areas of your broken relationships with your parents. This is critical. This is critical for us to understand. This is critical for us to embrace because there's a freedom for us to experience that we are denying ourselves daily simply by not understanding or connecting to our purpose. And you have one. What does it matter? The important thing is that Christ is preached. What matters is that the purpose of God prevails. That's what matters. Paul says, my hands and my feet are locked, but my mind is free and the mission must move. Consider his perspective. Paul is perceiving his prison through the perspective of his priorities. He's looking at what matters most and his priority is the purpose that God placed in his life. Paul acknowledges that while he did not choose his chains, he still gets to choose how he responds to them. You did not choose your generational chains, but you choose how you respond to them. Paul is saying, God, I did not put these chains on me, and I know you did not put these chains on me either. You did not bring the divorce. You did not bring the disease. You did not bring the addiction. Nevertheless, Paul is saying, but since these chains are on me, since these chains are on me, God, I want you to use these chains to change me. Hear me. Paul is saying that since these chains are on me, God, please use these chains to make me an example of your grace. This is what Paul is saying. God, you did not bring these chains on me, but since these chains are on me, today I am asking you, what do you choose? Do you choose simply to sit in the chains or do you choose to allow your chains to change you? We can so easily become overwhelmed with the idea and the responsibility of having to break the chains of our generational cycles. But this is not what Paul's doing. Paul here is not trying to break out of prison. He's done it before. He knows he can. Why doesn't he? Paul's submitting to the chains of his life Elevating God's purpose above it and allowing himself to be changed by the chains that he's in. And I'm going to ask you one more time, family, today, what is your choice? Are you choosing to remain captive in your chains or, or are you choosing to allow your chains to change you? This all could sound cute, a bunch of alliterations all strung together. But y'all know, I, 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 want, I want our application of the word of God to be practical as well. I want you to be able to leave and tomorrow morning, Monday morning, when you punch into work, for you to actually be able to have thoughts that can change your behavior. If what we talk about on this stage, here in this room and in this space, does not actually create a change in your life moving forward, then we're really here just 
having fun. We're really here just enjoying the fellowship, and there's something beautiful about that, but information is meaningless if it does not produce transformation. Let this information produce transformation. So let me make it practical for you, and I don't want this to get too deep for you, but I kind of want this to get too deep for you. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you to look up at the screen because I want you to, I want you to understand what, 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 what this will actually look like, right? So past generations versus present and future generations. So right now, what we're talking about is you have learned from your childhood and from previous generations not to talk about emotions, okay? That's the chain. The chain is not talking about emotions. What are we talking about for our present, our future generation? We're saying choosing to keep people in your life with whom you can share your emotions. In a very practical way, we have Families out here dying because we have mothers and fathers who are not modeling vulnerability, who are not demonstrating what transparency look like, who, who, who have kids in our systems today who are understanding and perpetuating the ideology that asking for help is the wrong thing to do because we've learned not to talk about our emotions. So your choice is to simply create an environment in your life by the people you choose to engage in company with, people that you feel you can trust, start opening your mouth and talking about your emotions. What's our next example? Our next example is, is, is people-pleasing. Some of us may have a people-pleasing issue. And people-pleasing is deeply rooted, family. I want you to understand people-pleasing is, 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 people is, 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 is your attempt to fill a gap for something you didn't receive. It's, it's something that you needed in your life. There's affirmation you did not receive from your family or, or someone did not believe in your dreams when you needed them to or someone left you, somebody abandoned you. So now as a result of the things that you experienced, you have manifested in your life behaviors that tell you you are only worth it, you're only deserving if I'm able to make someone smile, if I can make someone happy, if I can please the people around me, then I deserve space in their life. These are the lies. These are the chains, right? You think you can go through your life, not break that chain, and your child not to learn that from you? Wow. <laughs> so what is your choice? Your choice is choosing to set boundaries and prioritizing your relational needs. I don't want to oversimplify this, but I want you all just to understand that you do have choices in your chains. How about the perpetuation of avoiding family drama? I'm not going to go to the reunion because I don't got time for the drama. I'm not going to go to the birthday party. I don't want to see it. I'm not going nah, to go stand in that picture. I don't want people to know. I'm just going to avoid what has happened in my life. I'm going to avoid the stuff I don't like about my family. And nothing you avoid is going to change. In fact, what you avoid only grows in secrecy. And it grows in its strength and opposition against you. So what does your choice look like for that? Avoiding family drama? No, instead I'm going to choose to go to therapy to heal from the intergenerational trauma that I've experienced so that I now can gain clarity on my life and my reactions and my responses to the things that I've experienced so that I can set free the chains of those coming after me. What about abandonment? That's a chain. It doesn't necessarily mean that because you were abandoned that you're going to abandon your child, but the abandonment that you experienced has created in you and taught you something that affects the way you parent your children, that affects the way you experience life with those around you, that, ex that, that, that changes the way that you trust people. You may not abandon your children, but, but, but there's going to be residual effects of some abandonment when you leave it undealt with. So what can you do instead? Choose relationships that make you feel secure. What is this going to do? This is going to allow you to reframe your neural pathways and what you've experienced in this relationship in my childhood. I should expect people to leave me. I should expect people to lie to me. I should expect to feel like I'm not worth it. Now, when you choose to keep people in your life who make you feel secure, now you're rewiring your neural pathways to say, no, there's actually value in my life that I can bring to another person. I do not owe anybody anything. Now, because you experience security in relationships, you feel stability in your emotions with people. And for the first time now, you feel like you belong. You feel security. And that's something that you can pass on to the people around you. How about overworking? Let's keep it simple. Let's keep it simple. Workaholism. How about that? 
Where do we get that from? That comes from a lot of places. And I'm going to tell you one of the most, most valid places it comes from, and I'm using the, valid, the word valid intentionally because it's valid. It comes from the simple fact that sometimes we feel our value is determined by what we produce. We live in a culture that elevates and worships productivity, right? So for many of us, we are supplementing our own perception of ourselves with the things that we can do in our lives and the, the ways we can have work and the ways we can, we can make people at work proud of us to supplement our own self-esteem, our own value. Another place that workaholism comes from is avoiding what's happening at home. I'm not going to deal with my issues. I'm not going to go to counseling. I'm not actually going to talk through this. I'm not going to have the combo with my wife. No, let me, just keep, let me just keep providing for my family. That's what we call it. Let me just keep staying over here. No, I'm not actually going to deal with the problem. I'm going to go and I'm going to work it away and hide under the veil of my good work. So what do we do instead? Instead, we choose to perceive rest we choose to perceive rest and relaxation as a need. You must understand the need of resting and relaxing. What about addiction? Y'all bored yet? Addiction, addiction. What do we do to fight addiction, to break that chain? You choose recovery and everything that comes along with it. What, what, what my point here in this is, family, is that you all have a choice. You do not choose your chain. But you choose your response to it. You did not choose your chain. You did not choose the family you entered into, but you choose your response to it. You may not have chosen your chains, but if you learn to change the choices that you make, you will find that your chains will change you in a way that breaks the chains for your children. We need to begin learning the difference Learning the difference between the dangers of your past and the safety of your present. You are not where you were when you were a child. You are not surrounded by the people who hurt you. Let's understand and recognize how we are in a different place now. When you are healing from generational trauma, it's important that you, that you learn the difference between your family's beliefs and values and your authentic beliefs and values. This is important, guys. This is a big one. This is a big one. Let me speak to my immigrant brothers and sisters, my second and my first generation uh, families who have come from other places. Your parents had to make sacrifices for you to be here. This is what we hear all the time, right? Right? And, then, and so now that becomes your responsibility, right? So, so I need to now honor the sacrifices that my parents made. Hey, I'm going to be reverent with this because I have all generations in this room today. So hear me out. Many of us who have come from different countries have, 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 have internalized this, this idea that my child owes me something. My child should now make me proud for the sacrifices I made for them to be there. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you feeling that way. Nothing. What's wrong is when you expect your feelings to change and create the behaviors, the choices and decisions of your children. Because the reason you brought them here was so that they can have a more autonomous life, so that they can have the opportunities. The opportunity for you is not going to look the same as the opportunity for them. The world changes generation after generation. I want you to hear me out. But I'm not talking only to the parents. I'm talking to my second and third generation children of, of immigrant parents as well. I'm talking to you. Listen, because some of you who've taken on too much or taken on these expectations, not only do you need to release yourself of these expectations, but you owe it to yourself to do the deep work inside to figure out what you value. What do you believe? You are the product of what your parents believe and their values, and you can take some of those things. Some of those things are naturally deposited within you, but I want to ask you, what do you believe? What is the legacy for your children, for your family? You have a responsibility too. But I don't want to stop there, children. Children of immigrant families, I want you to understand that, 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 that your parents did what they could with what they had. Y'all need to stop 
We need to stop over-expecting from our parents too. Listen, some of you are sitting around waiting for an apology you're never going to get. And I want you to understand how important this is because you cannot hold your parents accountable for what they did not know because they did not have the resources that you had to understand it. You cannot hold your parents accountable for not being sensitive to some of these things, for not having the awareness or the understanding. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have the the, the money. They They didn't have the opportunity. So for you... We need to now take our mindset and and offer the grace that God gave us to our parents as well. You can be mad. You can be angry. Feel all the feelings you need. But I need you to understand that while you are sitting up in your family's home and you are in the presence of your loving family, those parents are only around for so long. Love them for what they did give you. Love them for how they did love you. When you can do that, and you can release what you didn't get, and you can release your resentment and your animosity, you're going to live better. You're going to love better. And you're going to go on in your generations after. Sometimes forgiveness is the only chain you need to break. Your chain of unforgiveness for your parents. Stop holding them accountable for what they didn't have. Stop holding them accountable for what was not available to them that's available to you because of their sacrifices. We need to learn the difference between your family's high expectations and your authentic goals and inherent self-worth. We need to do the work internally. We need to do our own development. That is not your parents' responsibility. Your parents are not responsible for your healing, family. I don't care what they did to you. I don't want to say I don't care what they did to you. Because uh, some, of, some of you, it was real bad. I just want to be honest, but I want you to put in perspective the things that you experienced with the purpose that God has over your life. I want you to perceive your chains as an opportunity for you to change. You may not be able to change your chains, but your chains can change you in the way that you choose. When you learn these differences, you empower yourself and create a new cycle of hope and validation for the generations to come. Accept your parents' limitations. Just because they won't apologize does not mean you don't deserve an apology. Let me be clear about that as well. Your feelings surrounding that need are valid. Those are there. I don't want to diminish any of that today. But acknowledge that as an adult, it is no longer your parent's responsibility to heal you. That is your responsibility. We learned that last week in Ezekiel. God said, the fathers are going to die for the sins of the fathers, and the children are going to die for the sins of the children. You are responsible. You didn't get to choose the chain, but you choose Mm. the change. Mm. I want to do something here, too, to illustrate the power of choice as we bring today to a close. The same way chains can be broken by choice, they can also bring bondage by choice. I'm saying that again. The same way that chains can be broken by choice, they can also bring bondage by choice. We establish that you do not choose your generational chains but you have to understand that your chains are made of choices. Each link on the chain of your generational consequence is made of a choice. Not all the choices were yours. Some choices were your parents. Some choices were made by others, but you are now the owner of your life. You are now in the driver's seat of the vehicle of your life. You have a choice. Mm. Generational family patterns may be your chains. It may be poverty. If you look back, your mama, your grandmama, your great-grandmama, you look back and there's a, a, a constant and perpetual, perpetual living under the poverty line. It could be racism. Your perspectives and the way you see other people. It could be teen pregnancy. These are all real, 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 real cycles. It could be divorce. Me, personally, I come from four generations of divorce. The last four generations before me involved infidelity in their marriages. 
on my mom's side. Statistics say I should be married and divorced right now. Fatherless homes. Some of this sounds a little deep for some of us, I think. (laughs) What if we just simplify it? Talk about the surface level stuff. How about just habitual lying? That was born out of a survival strategy that you no longer need, that no longer serves you, but that is now the way you learn to operate. How about pessimism? Just a bad attitude. Jealousy. Gossip. Promiscuity. There are so many things in the way that we experience life that can determine the things that we have to struggle with in our chains. But I want you to understand that every chain is made of a link, and each link represents a choice. Because when we're talking about choices, it could be alcoholism. We have just a chain here, just a link, just a chain link. This is just one piece. This is not a chain. This cannot hold me together in bondage. This cannot connect me to you. This is just a chain link. This is just one sip of alcohol. That's all this is. Young people, if you're listening. This is just, this is just one hit. This is just, this is just one glance at the photo. There's no harm in that, right? You're right. Grace got you covered. You're not going to not be in heaven because you took a sip or because you took a glance. Grace is going to cover that. But I want you to understand that you have now made a choice. A choice that before did not exist. And what does not exist cannot be repeated. But now that this choice happened, this choice exists, this choice can be repeated. So what happens? We grow up in a home and we see our father go to alcohol. We see our father not communicate need. We see our father be perpetually unemotional in his, in his communication with, with your mother. What do you see? You see him deal with it in a certain way. That is alcohol. So now what for you has just become a choice where I'm just going to try it when I'm a kid. No, now, now you're going to look at it and you're actually going to recognize that no, not only is this a choice I can make, but this is something I should do based upon the patterns I saw in my father. So when you get older and you're in your first relationship and you get in your first argument, what do you do? You don't communicate your feelings. You don't express how you really feel. There's no conflict management or resolution that takes place there. No, you turn to what you saw your father do, the bottle. So what was just a choice in your childhood now has become a chain link in your adulthood. And now in your adulthood, you do it again and again and again. And then guess what happens after you have a choice that continues to be repeated? Now you have a habit. Two chain links. What was just a choice, now you have a habit. And this habit connects to this chain link. And now you have two chain links connected. Many of us believe that it takes 21 days to to form a habit, don't we? So now... We are drinking regularly because this is a habit that we've formed. Rather than actually expressing our emotions and feeling them and working through them, no, we're actually going through, 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 through the same patterns and cycles that we saw in our parents. And so now this chain link is connected to the second chain link, which is a choice to a habit. But then what we do repeatedly and the habits that we continue to form that happen over and over, those habits now become automatic. We do them without even thinking about what they are, thinking about what they mean. Now, it's just a habit for me to get out of work on Friday and go to the bar. That's what I'm going to do now. I'm not demeaning alcohol. I'm not here to say alcohol is a sin. That's not what I'm doing. I'm wanting you to understand the cause and effect relationship of the chains that we're refusing to change. You have the choice, which becomes a habit, and that habit becomes automatic because what you do over and over and over again becomes automatic. The Journal of Psychology says that it takes an average of 66 days, they have found in research, for a habit to become an automatic response in behavior. 66 days. So now for 21 days to 66 days, we have a choice, we have a habit, now we have an automatic response. 
But now that automatic response is something that we do so often, we continue to just do that thing over and over and over and over, that automatic response, now that becomes our identity. See, because we confuse our behavior and what we do with who we are. We confuse what we do with to whom we belong. What do we say about people? He's just like that. Mm-hmm. That comes from this. That comes from, from the choices that became habits, that became automatic responses. Your automatic responses then become your perceived identity about yourself, and you begin to forget. You begin to forget who you are. You begin to forget that God said that before you were in your mother's womb, I knit you together. You forget that. You forget that the word of the Lord says that you were beautifully and wonderfully made. You forget that because now you have a small chain forming. Each, you started with the choice that became a habit that turned into an automatic response. And now you're confused about your identity, who you belong to. You've now be- learned to think that your identity is defined by the things that you do. Now what happens? You have a new nature. Now the nature of the flesh has come over you. It started with the choice, which formed a habit, which created an automatic response, made you be confused about your identity, and now you're acting in a new nature. What started with the choice became a chain. And that's how that chain came into your life, and this is how you are passing that chain on to your next generation. Jordan, come up. I had a conversation conversation last night with my nephew, Jordan. I don't know if you guys knew. Let's put our hands together for my nephew, Jordan. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. This is my nephew, Jordan. There's a long story behind him. I can't share it all today, but this is my nephew. I know he looks like my son. It's just the cheeks, guys. It's just the cheeks. That's, my, that's, that's, that's Victor's son right here. Uh, this is Jordan, right? Uh, so, Jordan, I, I want you to hold your wrist out. Jordan, I, Jordan and I had a, a conversation last night, and we shared with him, his dad, Victor, and I shared with him some of, some of the areas of his past and his family. Some of the things that they've experienced, not just the bad. Let me clarify. There, there are not only bad things to reflect upon in your family, right? There are, there are also good things, right? So we didn't just talk about where, where his family has failed in the past, but we've talked about where his family has had victories. We've talked about the good people in his life as well. And he identified three areas based upon the history that his father shared with him yesterday. He identified three areas of his life that he said he does not want to repeat based upon his family's. Do you mind if I share that with him? Yeah? No, no, I don't mind. You don't mind? (laughs) He said, I don't want any addictions. He said, I don't want to go to jail. And I don't want to, listen, be angry. So all we did was tell him about his mom. His dad told him about himself. His dad told him about his dad's dad and his mom's dad. We only went back two generations. And from those stories, Jordan said, those are the three things that he doesn't want to perpetuate in his life. But see, what happens is that the small choices that you make, Jordan... The small choices that your father made or that your mother made created a chain that's now around your wrist. Now, you were born with this. You didn't ask for this. This is something that was born on you, okay? But I want you to understand that you have the opportunity to disassemble each of these. You have the opportunity to change some of these things. In fact, I want you to also understand that I'm telling you this for the first time, is that there's things that your family before you experienced that you have not experienced because of some of the things that your father did. There's things that you are not exposed to because of the ways that your father has protected you. So in that, there's an important lesson for us to understand about this because this is what the enemy does. He catches them at this age when they're young, 
This is what the enemy does. The enemy wants, wants the, the 12 and the 13-year-olds to be exposed, right? To be exposed to the pornography. If he could just plant that small seed of, of, of sexual addiction in a child, he knows that that seed is going to become a tree in their life in the future. He knows that that seed will become deeply rooted. He knows that if he can just, just give him that quick glance, he knows that from that, the enemy can have a stronghold. So then what will happen, Jordan, is that you will go on into your life and you will want to marry a wife and you will want to love your wife wholly and completely and self-sacrificially, but you no longer can love your wife because you only know how to look at women as objects because of an addiction that was placed in you as a seed in your early childhood. And it looks like this. And so while you may have looked at, glanced at that one little issue just once, it's just one chain, right? The second thing we do after that is that chain, that choice becomes a habit. That habit becomes automatic. That automatic makes you confused about your identity. Then after your identity, what happens? You have a new nature. Then before you know it, what happens? The enemy knows that if he can just get that on you, if he could just get this around your wrist, the enemy knows that he can come and he can, he, he can, he can connect this to you. The enemy knows that he can come and he can connect this to you and now he's got you. Now he's got you. So now what do you want to do? You want to go and you want to live a life absent of alcoholism. You want to go live a life absent of, of, of the addictions of your past. So go live that life. Go. Go on live that life. Go. No, the enemy, the enemy pulls you back because he planted a seed in you that you perpetuated through your choices. So now you want to, you want to have a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship, so you're going to go. Go do that. Go, go have a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship. No, you can't because the enemy has you. The enemy has you now. So what do we see? What do we see? We actually see the word of God in Galatians 5.1. It says that it is, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. See that? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. For the one who has died has been set free from sin, Romans 6, 7. So while the enemy may have a chain and the enemy thinks he can, he can just carry you all around and he can do with you what he pleases and you just have to follow. Don't follow. Don't follow me. Here, go ahead. Don't follow me. Don't follow. Go ahead. Don't follow don't follow me. Why are you following me? Go that way. Go that way. Oh, you broke, you broke my chain. Look at him, I broke my chain. <laughs> Go ahead. No, that's all right. That's just here. No, that wasn't. That wasn't. But, so we're gonna act, we're gonna act like uh we're gonna act like my chain didn't break. And so the enemy. <laughs> And so the enemy, the enemy just has him rolling around and he gets to do with him what he pleases. Izzy, let's get keys. At this point in time, I, I want us to understand that there's another chain. Remember, Paul was in prison, right? Paul was in prison and Paul said, I don't know if I want to stay here. I don't know. What, what should I choose? And we're looking at Paul like, what do you mean? What should I choose? You're in prison. You don't have a choice. But Paul recognizes that he did have a, a choice, that Paul recognizes he, he, he could choose what his chain, he could choose his response to his chain, right? And so while there is this chain, Paula, I'm going to ask you to come up. I'm going to ask you to come up. Paula, grab that big chain. Yeah. So now we see this, and the enemy thinks he has you chained down, right, by the choices that you made. There's another chain. Now, while the enemy's pulling you this way, God's got that chain, and that chain is grace. God says, no, I formed you. God says, I knit you in your mother's womb. God said, I placed a purpose over your life. God says, before you had the opportunity to choose your mistake, I formed in you a purpose, and I placed that purpose over your life, and that purpose becomes your perspective in your prison. That purpose becomes your passport out of your prison. And so what, is, what actually happens here is we see that this chain that represents the grace of God connects. And that chain is stronger and longer and bigger than that one. And as much as I may want to pull you, as much as I may want, I want you to come this way. I am about to, I am about to play tug of war with Paula. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. We see that grace pulls you back in. Grace pulls you back in. Go ahead and take this 
Let's put your hands together for Jordan. Thank you, guys. I want you to take this visual with you throughout the week because when we see what Paul is talking about, we see that Paul is referring to a choice that is not clear to you at first while he is in prison. But Paul says, hey, I know these chains are here, and I know these prison guards think they have me chained to this prison. No, I had this prison chained to me. And God's grace is chained to me. God said, you cannot be plucked from the palm of my hand. There is nothing you can do. There is no chain over your life that cannot. Paul chose to change his perspective. You have an opportunity through the chains of your generational cycles. You have an opportunity to change your response to them through your choice, your daily decisions. When the day is a sermon series where we are reclaiming our future from our past, and you do that with the little wins today. You're not going to break the generational cycle for eternity in a moment. It's in your daily win today. Galatians 5.13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. John 8.36 says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Father, I want to thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the liberation that we can experience through your word, God. I pray that in a very special way here in this place and in this time that each person listening and each person here today, that they are empowered and emboldened by the choices they have before them. Let them understand, Father, that the choices that they can make today are going to keep them chained to your grace tomorrow. Father, give us courage. God, we need courage. And give us strength. But above all, God, give us the power of your Holy Spirit as we look to undo the things of our past and move forward in the declaration of the peace, prosperity, and freedom of the future you have set before us. Father, thank you. Have your blessing over these people in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.